Viva. Viva. Viva Dare Daniel. You are listening to the Dare Daniel podcast where you send us your most sinister movie dares. We suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, local comedian, and I've never lost anything at the bottom of the Snake River Canyon, so you won't see me going down there. With me, as always, is film critic Daniel Barnes. Hi, everybody. On this particular podcast, we do your dirty work. Your movie-related dirty work. We watch the most unwatchable movies you can imagine, and you suckers, you got some vivid imaginations. My goodness. Viva vivid imaginations. Uh, and then we review and rate the movies using our unique rating system. Run-of-the-mill bad film. That gets a dare. The double dare rating goes to those truly atrocious movies, and we reserve the reverse dare for those despised movies that we actually like. Today on the podcast, we're reviewing Evil Knievel as Eva Knievel in Viva Knievel. But before we get started, we're going to talk about the movie-themed cocktail that Daniel made for us this week. Yes, it's cockcast time here on the show and of course as always it was inspired by the movie we're reviewing this week it's viva knievel you know he's known as a daredevil and he gained fame because of these record-setting jumps that he made but it seems like Mm. he became even more famous for the jumps he didn't make these horrifying crashes that he took like it it just people got to the point where they're like how could he do this? How could he do this? Like, are we going to watch this guy just like die today? Like, I think that was a big part of it. Uh, he took some absolutely inhuman beatings. You can watch some of them on YouTube. They're just, they're insane. It's unbelievable. Somebody would do this themselves. Right. Um, and since evil banged into a few walls in his day, it seemed appropriate to make a variation on the Harvey Wallbanger cocktail. Hey. This is an old school cocktail. And like evil Knievel, it gained its greatest popularity in the 1970s. And then, like Evil Knievel, quickly fell out of favor. The classic Harvey Wallbanger is essentially a screwdriver variation. It has vodka and orange juice, but it adds Galliano La Attentico, which is an Italian liqueur. Um, but with this drink, I didn't just want to pay tribute to Knievel. I also wanted to pay homage to the character of Tommy, little Tommy Atkins. Because as much as Evil takes a physical beating, Tommy takes an emotional and psychological beating <laughs> About a thousand times worse. Like, what they do to this kid's emotions is what evil does to his body. It's just horrifying. Um, So I wanted to make a combination of a Harvey Wallbanger and a Tommy Margarita, which is a type of margarita made without orange liqueur. Mm. So the orange juice of the Harvey Wallbanger kind of slides in for the orange liqueur. So it's a Margarita-Harvey Wallbanger mashup. They're two very simple cocktails. I transformed it into one of the most pointlessly complex cocktails you'll ever get that still somehow holds together. It has nine ingredients, Blanco and Reposado tequila, a 15-year-old rum, the Galliano, orange juice, lime juice, agave nectar, two types of bitters, over ice, quirky. What do you think of the Tommy Wallbang? Unlike the Tommy in this movie, mm. this Tommy is wanted. Sure. This Tommy is appreciated. <laughs> this Tommy is loved. Unlike the Tommy in the movie, who is almost literally kicked in the face yeah. every scene mm-hmm. he's in. Yeah. By screen legend Gene <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> Great Gene Kelly. What an honor for that young actor to be verbally abused by the star of Singing in the Rain. <laughs> uh, this is delicious. Um, I love the sweetness of it, and I love how it is a, like a kind of an um, whatever that is that's coming through in the orangey. Yeah, well, there's a lot of orange juice in there, but then I, okay. I put in lime to kind of, uh, you know, balance it out, give it that tart feel. That's what it is. 
You get a little bit of the herbalness of the Galliano. Uh, the tequila, I think, comes through. The rum is just there to kind of give it some more sweetness and some rounded edges. And then yeah. uh, I mix some Polynesian bitters and uh, like spicy bitters in there as well. So it's, it's just. It's a drink that just comes slamming into your mouth at a high rate of speed dislocating taste buds just bouncing around <laughs> uh fracturing all kinds of you know previously held notions of uh taste this thing is delicious it's refreshing it's really good yeah yeah i've already drank like half of it no my my tongue actually after the first taste announced its retirement from uh, <laughs> yes. ever tasting anything again <laughs> like, but it did it did walk off of the mouth under its Absolutely. own power Absolutely. Was not going to get carted out on an ambulance. So I will put the recipe for the Tommy Wallbanger in the notes for the show. I will say this one's not for greenhorns. You really have to have a stock bar to have this one. I like to make some where, yeah, you could make it if you want. No one's ever said that they've made it or not. But, you know, this one is is not for the amateurs. You, you've really got to have a lot of elements for this one. But, you know, next time I'll make something easy. And now our feature presentation. Viva Knievel! This one was dared to us by Dean Longenecker, who recently dared us Jaws of Revenge and has previously dared us Cosmic Sin and Megaforce. He's brought some great movies. He's been coming in hot of late. Yeah, yeah. we just did one not, not too long ago with Jaws, Cold One, The Revenge, and that was a great episode. Yeah, one of my favorite episodes we've done. Uh, Dean's dare for Viva Knievel. In honor of Corky, I subjected myself to this 1977 dud. Why in now, honor of you? In honor of me. What, what was the honor? I don't know. It's funny. It's my girlfriend said, she goes, you know, in honor of you, I've dedicated myself to you. You're a 1976 dud. <laughs> I'm like, that's weird. That's oddly specific. You're saying my birth year. Just like, I don't know it. Anyway, in honor of Corky, I subjected myself to this 1977 dud. I can't in good faith recommend this to anyone unless they like being tortured. <laughs> Everything that's bad about 70s movies is in here. Soundtrack, clothes, acting, and especially the plot. Kill Knievel so they can smuggle cocaine across the border with the body. Feel sorry for the cast, which is pretty good for the time, having to be involved with this movie. The IMDb synopsis for Viva Knievel. He's powered his Harley over cars, trucks, lions, infernos, and plummeted headlong into a canyon. But if the mob has its way, his next incredible leap will land him six feet under. <laughs> yes, this week's movie, it's Viva Knievel! Exclamation point. The movie was directed by Gordon Douglas. This was the last film in a very long career for Gordon Douglas. Stretched back to Hal Roach Studios. He got to start making our gang shorts in the 1930s, directed over 70 features, and uh, this is how it ended. It's amazing. Yeah. It's what a long and winding road. Stars Evil Knievel as himself, Gene Kelly, Lauren Hutton, Red Buttons, Leslie Nielsen, Frank Gifford as himself, Marjo Gortner, and Dabney Coleman as himself. <laughs> Film was an attempt to cash in on the popularity of Daredevil Evil Knievel, who gained fame, again, like I said, for his death-defying jumps, but also his death-defying crashes, managed to stay in the public eye by attempting some insane stunt every year and marketing the hell out of it and marketing the hell of it out of himself, including the toys that we see in the film. Uh, this was not the first film about Evil Knievel. In fact, I learned while researching this movie there was a 1971 biopic called evil knievel starring george hamilton in the title role and it was written or co-written by john milius um that's amazing 
Isn't that yeah, right? I mean, I don't, I've never seen it, never even heard of it until uh, just a couple days ago. Viva Knievel! Exclamation point, however, was released June 1st, 1977. This was just a few months before the real life Knievel beat one of his old promoters with an aluminum bat for writing an unflattering biography about him. Uh, he, this eventually earned him a six month prison sentence and he lost all his endorsements deals. His popularity cratered and this film was lost to the sands of time until rediscovered later by a new generation of bad movie archivists. 17 on Rotten Tomatoes, only six reviews. Tony Sloman of Radio Times says, quote, this amazingly kitsch one-off stars the man himself, a non-actor if ever there was one, in a movie so absurd it simply has to be seen to be believed quirky. Are you telling Tony Sloman, <laughs> whoa, man? Or are you telling Tony Sloman, yo, man, go, man? I didn't know. No, you've seen the movie now, Quirky. Do you believe it? Can barely, you believe it? I barely believe it, but I was pumping my fist, shouting "Viva Knievel!" several times. <laughs> uh, no, it's so of its time. Yeah, it, I mean, kitsch is the perfect word for it. The American flag jumpsuits, yep. the dirt bikes that like they look like they could probably top out at fifty miles per hour. You know, and this man was jumping. Double-decker buses right. on these death <laughs> it's traps. It's insane. Just absolutely insane. And then watching him, and you can tell he's on the back end of whatever fame he had by mm-hmm. doing this stuff. But he's cashing as much as he can in, in this really kind of throwback idealization of a hillbilly redneck who's not talented in any way except for breaking several bones in front of thousands of people. Yeah, I mean, this is so like the Babe Ruth story or one yeah. of those like old school biographies. And you're right, on the one hand, time capsule, absolute time capsule of the mid to late 70s. Like freaking Marjo Gortner is in it. It's a freaking time capsule of the mid to mm-hmm. late 1970s. And a time when someone like Evil could become a pseudo mainstream celebrity. But it's also... <laughs> One of the most hoary, moth-eaten movies you will ever fucking see. It is so cornball. <laughs> yes. Old-fashioned, yes. cliched, familiar. The main differentiator between this and a thousand other bad movies is the messianic narcissism <laughs> of Evil Knievel. Like, I, I created a new word to describe Evil Knievel, and that is uh, evangotistical. Evangelistic, <laughs> like a, a, a mixture of evangelical or evangelical, whatever, and egotistical, whatever. <laughs> the point is, this guy's a fucking lunatic. He's completely yeah. insane. In my research, too, I found out that outside of just like some repurposed footage from from some of his jumps and crashes, the stunts in this film were mostly performed by doubles. You can tell, a hundred percent. You can tell, presumably for insurance reasons. You know what I mean? Because he's crashed so many times. But what that means is that they literally paid evil for his acting alone and that's insane <laughs> that's insane because he's he's not just a non-actor lauren hunton's a non-actor yes, she's, she's just actress. somebody saying her lines and flipping her hair he's yeah. a negative actor like he is sucking the essence out of good actors like some kind of thespian skexy like it's just he, he's so wooden it's unbelievable yeah I think that's why they they put people around him who could like deliver in each scene. I mean, you got red buttons, yes, in scenes, and they have to that go guy, so hard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they really too hard. Yeah. Knievel is is a void of 
of charisma and acting. Gene Kelly is selling so fucking hard. Oh my god! At all times, he has to pick up the, all of that slack. Even know? in the background, waiting for a child to deliver lines, waiting for evil to remember his lines. <laughs> his fixed stare. God damn it, Dan! This whole movie. I could not stop laughing every time Gene Kelly was on screen. And I was like, it can't get any funnier than that. It can't. And, oh, it does. It just keeps getting funnier. It's oh, crazy. it does. No, it's amazing. He sells so hard. And he has to. He yeah. has to. He's getting right. less than nothing from the lead actor who's in almost every scene. I feel like Leslie Nielsen did it and he was like, all right, but I'm not going to stand. I'll sit in yeah. every scene. Yeah, all over act while sitting. Yeah, put them on the back of this phone I'm going to answer, and I'll say them. <laughs> At times, this movie felt like a Naked Gun or a Police Squad <laughs> parody because it's just so clownish that everybody's playing it straight around this ridiculous man who everybody accolades as the number one stunt jumper. Like, like they have rankings. There's like rankings, just, right? These are like for, the hitman rankings from Assassins, spot. right? Like this is <laughs> yes. like fucking Banderas yes. and Stallone in Assassins trying to be the number one hitman of the world. There's no rankings for like Daredevil no trying to kill themselves. There's even a point where they're like, you're number one in Texas. Like each state's <laughs> they, have their they, individual they go state rankings. State. Well, there, there's the electoral college. So Texas is huge. Being number one in Texas <laughs> is enormous. Oh my God. Yeah. Should we get into it? All right, disco funk title song. We get these 1970s mm. kind of graphics. Looks like something that would be on like my a notebook of mine when I was in like the second grade. You know what I mean? My yeah. Lunch pail. Um, Lauren Hutton's in this movie. I should just go back and and put a little shame on myself. I fucked up in Rabbit Test. That was not Lauren Hutton in Rabbit Test. That was Sherry North in, in Rabbit Test. We, I was okay. preparing the All Dares episode around the time time we were preparing Rabbit Test, so I got all mixed up. Lauren Hutton really is in this movie, though, I swear to God. But yeah, we get this disco funk title song. Lyrics like, a man with a dream and a promise to keep. <laughs> a king of the road with a helmet for a crown. <laughs> those were just the only two that I got, but those are those are gems. Those are... <laughs> I think they call him a bird He's a bird man. man. Like he's a, he's, he's a flying not? bird man. Fucking Brewster McCloud over here. All right. Um, this movie. This opening has been. This no, it shoots bananas. its crazy wad right in the first scene. Like th- it is just premature ejaculation of crazy ass fucking scenes. Like it sets the bar of crazy. Mm-hmm. At a level that is impossible to clear for the rest of the movie. It just, it shoots it all right mm-hmm. here. Like, okay, this opening scene. So we get this like very TV opening. There's this cheese ball music. There's this really canned establishing shot. There's this mysterious, like someone's here in the dark. They're carrying boxes. It's yeah, it's very it's like, Ironside, what's happening here? Something nefarious. Yeah. And who is this person? Why? <laughs> it's Evil Knievel. And he is just sneaking into a boy's orphanage at night. <laughs> Never fear. Never fear. Evil's here. The hero? This of is our the hero movie, of the movie. Whose name is Evil is <laughs> broken into a boy's orphanage at night, slapping children awake. He slaps their face to wake them up and tells them to be quiet and don't tell anybody no. he's there he's done no, this, this before is all <laughs> too easy for him this comes so naturally it is troubling yeah he <laughs> just sits down on the bed slaps a kid awake and these uh-huh. kids are like 
I mean, you think, how horrifying would this be? But they are just all over him. They are mesmerized by his very presence. And he distributes his own branded toys to all these... Uh, uh, With all the box fronts facing camera. All these reverent little boys, and they're just all over him. The kids, they they all have their stories about how they inspire him. One little boy, I swear to God, walks in... (laughs) says when you got up from webley you know the crash at webley you showed me anything's possible throws away his crutches walks up to him (laughs) with moist eyes and says you're the reason i'm walking evil you're the reason (laughs) like he's christ literally like he's christ from the opening scene he is healing the sick evil knievel it's psychotic right it's psychotic again that would be psychotic if he was visiting in the day, if he was at visiting hours uh-huh. and he'd called ahead of time or something. He has just snuck in here in the middle of the night while they're all sleeping in a communal bedroom. And this is where it harkens back to this old style because the next scene he is chastised for breaking into the orphanage by apparently the nun who runs it the, with the slight Irish just a little bit. who tells evil none of his blarney <laughs> When he tries to hem and haw about why he had to break in in the middle of the night. But she's a fat nun, so he yes. gives her fudge, and so it's okay. Um, yeah. A lot of, there's a fair amount of demeaning jokes about women, and this is just the first. Um, she says she could have come tomorrow, but he says, no, I got to be in Los Angeles. And he takes off, and she forgives him at the end. She says, God bless. But where he actually goes is Long Beach. And Corky, yeah. 1990s rap music has... Led me to believe that there is an inordinate amount of drama in the LBC, and that's a direct quote. Um, but to paraphrase the great Eli Cash from the Royal Tenenbaums, what this film presupposes is maybe there isn't, because we're going to be here for a while, and there's a whole, not a whole lot of drama. Also to paraphrase, paraphrase the great Eli Cash, we do see evil riding off in the friskalating <laughs> dust. So light. true. So true. That does glide. It really friskalated. Gordon Douglas. <laughs> Gordon Douglas could shoot friskalating okay. dusk light. <laughs> We're at a Long Beach, I don't know, football Stadium, field, some coliseum, college, right? One one hundredth of this stadium is Yo, packed. boy. Like Woo. they only had one area they were going to shoot at, and they just jammed everything in there. Yep. News vans, a marching band. Two other extra trucks doing nothing. And then a lump of chairs. There's just this lump of chairs. They get several shots of this lump of metal chairs. They make a big deal out of it, too. It becomes the key. Yes, it really does. Yeah, Evil and his entourage, they get this police escort into the stadium. There's like a big band. There's crowds. But as you said, they're just all piled into a corner of the stadium with the media all piled in there. Gene Kelly comes in. He's driving this, like, um, just driving the motorcycles in, and we meet Red Buttons, who's like the greedy promoter. Uh, yeah. Red and Gene fight because because of these seats. Red is trying to stick extra seats in there, just like some <laughs> folding chairs, just like ten folding chairs on the field. And like the, what? Yeah, just a pile. <laughs> And and Gene Kelly, you already tell he's the grease monkey guy, and he tries to yeah. beat him up. And Red Button says, "You keep that gorilla off me." Now I've never heard the words "that gorilla" used to describe Gene. He's five eight, five oh, nine, way less. I would imagine. 
approximately 55 oh, yeah. in this movie. Gorilla. <laughs> he looks great. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm not disparaging. Yeah, dancing, but no one would exercise. ever refer to Gene Gor- no. Kelly as a gorilla. gorilla. Yeah. This, it's, it's not great casting. <laughs> <laughs> also, this is again where we get the Christ-like, the Christ-like portrayal of Evil Knievel because he's got all these hangers mm-hmm. on who are all flawed individuals. Right. And he could do better than, but no, evil's he's sticking by his people, he's loyal, and he's going to help see them through yeah. their bad spots. And ironically, he comes in here and plays Peacemaker. Like, you guys are fighting. No fighting. Right. I don't like it. I'm evil Knievel. <laughs> Remember that later when he brings a gun to a hospital. <laughs> so he's, you know, grilled by the press. They ask him about Jesse, who we gather is his top rival, but he says, if you're not evil, you're not number one. And the kids all agree. The kids love him. The kids And I'm just, like, number one what? What are we talking about? What is what number is one? Yeah, right? What is number like, one? Like, who's number two, number one? Are there, Who's ranking these people? He has broken bones. He's broken like four, 40 bones at this time <laughs> in several crashes. How is he number one? So this is where Lauren Hutton comes in and she uh, she just descends onto this you know stadium where there's like you know press conference and all these other things happening in a helicopter really disrupts everything she's wearing this like peach colored pantsuit and she's a photographer because she has a camera it is amazing we follow this helicopter descending into the stadium <laughs> it's all one shot it lands lauren hutton gets out this is like a three minute four minute mm-hmm. long tracking shot of this helicopter landing lauren hutton gets out Walks over to a conveniently placed car, gets up and lays in the most unnaturally, no photographers lay in this position. It's the most look at me while I take pictures position. Yes. Uh, And here there's some banter. Ooh. Mm. Is it witty banter? (laughs) Don't worry. It isn't. Um, (laughs) At one point, she she says she's not Mrs. She's Ms. And he says, you're one of them. And that's a whole bit, right? Like, she needs to be taken down a peg because she calls herself Miz. Uh, but she knows that she's hot. Like she said, she has this very, like, you know, posing on the car in this very, like, practiced, nonchalant <laughs> sort of way. She's constantly flipping her hair, which, I mean, there's a there's a helicopter nearby. But still, the hair flipping was a little much. Um, and finally, Evil IDs this woman and says, oh, I get it. You're Kate Morgan, the fearless photographer. So they sent the chump out to shoot the champ. Classic. You know, th- so much of this movie reminded me of Cool as Ice. Oh, right. Yeah. Because it was this podunk hillbilly mm-hmm. riding a motorcycle from town to town, <laughs> devoid of charisma, and he is antagonistic towards his love interest right from the right. jump. They somehow end up together. And it's also <clears throat> someone cashing in on the popularity that was probably f- ebbing yeah, by the time it the got the last released. chance to make any kind of money off of it. But also, now that I think about it, what firm or what publication does Lauren Hutton work for that paid for her to fly into the stadium with a helicopter? They're like, you know what? We're not going to rent you a car from the hotel or whatever you have to cover evil and evil. We're going to fly you in on assignment for right. the helicopter. And as we find out, she's not there even to cover the jump. She's there to cover his death. <laughs> the magazine to- wants him to cover his death. There's like everyone else is like constantly taking pictures of evil and she's yeah. just sitting there not taking pictures ever because she's like, I'm just waiting for your death. Like they, they're literally paying her to just sit her like, what is the budget on this fucking story? 
And isn't everybody else who's there going to get the same fucking picture? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Why is this so valuable? Three days early just to get some background for a man who's going to die. She's constantly just hanging around the stadium. He's like, You want to take a picture? You want to shoot my motorcycle? You want to see it? No, I don't. (laughs) She fucking rides 1,100 miles with Gene Kelly in a car. She goes across the border. There's a guy in a dashiki surreptitiously taking pictures as well. Right, right. It just like shows him for a couple seconds and then forget about him for a bit. <laughs> it's, it's, it's suspicious. Um, <laughs> evil. There's this like whole scene where evil like really shakes down <laughs> red buttons for like a few bucks. You know, like the, those those folding chairs on the field. I'm not seeing my cut of those folding chairs. And does it in a really threatening manner, which is like yes! so against like this like image of like I'm such a cool guy who hangs out with orphans. He's just like he's really ready to just like go off on I'm red gonna, buttons. Yeah, I'm gonna old, take a metal pipe to this man who's two decades older old than me. <laughs> oh boy. So this is we we now meet Leslie Nielsen. So he's another mm-hmm. greedy promoter. So remember, greedy promoters. Um, yeah. Again, a theme that would not age well. Um, he is. They're they're kind of talking about this. They 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 really kind of like tease out this evil plan. We get a little detail here. We just know they're doing something bad, right? They're doing there's something yeah. evil. E v i l not against evil. Yeah, E-V-E-L. right. Good point. Um, he is, they talk about like, okay, Jesse, his, his old uh, protege, he's now gunning for the number one spot. They're rivals now. Is he going to, you know, <laughs> we're going to use him to get to Knievel. And they're like, will he go for it? And Leslie Nielsen says, I've studied Knievel. He's a big man. Like, even the villains in this movie have to talk about how amazing evil yeah. Knievel. Like, these oh, guys yeah. are trying to plot his death. And they're just like, oh, he's just too big of a man to ever go back on a friend. <laughs> like, really? God, come on. <laughs> that was how uh, how else it tied into Cool as Ice, because everybody, there's never a moment where he can look even slightly um, bad or um, uh, vulnerable, no one gets right? The drop even on the him. bad guys. No. And there's an or- a kid named Tommy who <laughs> is very taken with the star of the movie. Oh, boy. Yes. Um, Gene Kelly, as we say, he plays Will Atkins. So he's uh, yeah. uh, his mechanic. He's the, the loyal drunk. He's also an ex daredevil, but he's on the booze. This is now. where he's on the sauce. Yeah, this is yeah. He went from riding a bike to riding the bottle. This is where the scenes with Gene Kelly making me laugh just started because watching Gene Kelly hit a whiskey bottle that's full of apple juice is, and he's just so serious about his addiction. Oh, really? But I, he also like physically. This is like. Like Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, like he is really like oh he's pant the he's pantomime is just like he's very aggressive on. silent movie era kind of thing. Um, but Jesse, Jesse's played by Marjo Gortner. He drugs Will's booze, so Will passes out, and then he takes pictures of the van, um, yeah, just of the van and of the thing. And uh, Evil doesn't see any of this, it's- but he comes across the aftermath the next morning. And he picks up Gene Kelly passing <laughs> yes, out was so, so good. Fucking... It took so long. Evil the next morning comes across Will. He's all passed out. He smashes the bottle. He's pissed off. But you know, he's evil. He's not gonna turn his back on a friend. He's he's too big of a man. In my research, this is something I found out Evil Can Evil used to do. Someone would ride a motorcycle at him really fast and he would just do a standing jump over there. Nice. Except he got hit in the groin <laughs> when he did it and knocked fifteen feet 
<laughs> the air, fracturing his pelvis, and then went away, came back months later to complete the stunt. Nice. This is not a man who's playing with full depth. No, no. I mean, you get it. You get it. He, he's, he feels indestructible. You know what I mean? Um, so evil, he does greet Jesse warmly. So they're, they're yes. kind of buddies again. Um, now Kate comes in and of okay. course, whammo here zeroes in and just gangbusters again. You know I mean? He got shot down before. Now just, he's goes at her gangbusters again. He takes her for a ride around the parking lot. Up and downstairs again. Yeah. We're finally getting. We're almost a third of the way through the movie. This like this is the first motorcycle anything that we've seen in the right. entire movie, and they're just like riding in a parking lot. It's just laps <laughs> and, and wheelies. And this is a man in his forties, and he's trying to impress a woman by doing laps in a parking lot with do wheelies. It's not like a seventeen-year-old man yes. or seventeen-year-old kid. And it's obviously not him riding the motorcycle, like you say. They got Knievel for his acting. Mm-hmm. Except for the close-ups. Yep. The close-ups are really him, Lauren Hutton in helmets, being pulled by On a something dolly while being or filmed. Whatever, yeah. And she looks frightened. Oh, yeah. Like, Lauren Hutton's face is terrified. Yeah. And that's not acting because her character is supposed to be this daredevil no, totally. photographer. Yeah, Kate right? gets off the bike and she just acts, like, bored with the whole thing. Like, yeah, whatever. Yep. Yeah, I mean. I guess the exciting part is jumping. Right. Yeah. Boring parking lot. Yawn. So now... Who walks in but this little <laughs> motherfucking Damien from the Omen looking kid in a schoolboy uniform? He just like all of a sudden walks in. There's a no, like, and he just like beelines for the Dan, truck. Yeah, Dan's saying this kid walks in. This is in a stadium. This is in like an athletic field, uh, college stadium. This kid walks in from an entrance on the track. He's wearing like Little Lord Fauntleroy prep school jacket and a beanie cap. Walks to where the motorcycle trucks. Uh, are parked and where gene kelly's working and i'm just like what the fuck is happening right? it's an, what is like happening? what is happening and this kid is just like very determinedly and very quickly like striding towards gene kelly gene kelly looks at a photo- photograph no. which is a, a headshot of a child <laughs> actor and it says hi dad love tommy <laughs> That's it. Like, he sees the kid. He, like, thinks, do I run? Is that? Could that be? This kid is 200 yards away. Runs to the fucking tool shed, pulls out a picture (laughs) of the kid. (laughs) Hi, Dad. Love Tommy. It's a, and it's an actor's headshot. I it's a headshot. Headshots as actual photos. Oh, it's so much corn. But yeah, basically, Will is a deadbeat dad, and this is his 11 yeah. year old estranged son. Tommy and Will just craps all over oh. this little fucking 11 year old boy. Tommy, remember, Will is like an ex daredevil who, you know, hit the sauce and he had to go, he couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, Tommy has all these clippings, and Will thinks, oh, yeah, you got evil clippings. He made clippings. a scrapbook of his dad. No, he made an I love you. It's dad Will's scrapbook. clippings. Where did this kid get it? Like his, like his kid Dan, is. How did the kid get there? How did he get I there? Like, how did any of this he happen? Says, School wrote you a letter that I was going to graduate and come see you, but you never responded, right? Gene Kelly fakes that he never got the letter. So I'm thinking, did the school just like drop the kid off in the parking lot? I was like, all right, go in that stadium and go find your go dad. Go find your just alcoholic find deadbeat dad. He's in this scrapbook. He's in here Here's somewhere. The there you him. go. You've never seen him. <laughs> 
Yeah, go find this alcoholic man who won't answer our letters. We're dropping you off. You cannot ride back to the school. But Tommy shows Will this, like, you know, scrapping of clippings. He's lovingly connected, and Will just, like, throws it away. Just tosses he it. He almost lights it on fire. Like, seriously. Evil comes in, and it's like, oh, my God, you must be Tommy. Like, evil's eyes light up. Uh, evil says didn't need to look at the picture to know that no he's like you must be tommy and he says want to see my van i think you'll like it and that is another (laughs) line reading that felt like of all everything feels so unnatural and yet that felt very authentic that is those are two sentences want to see my van i think you'll like it that he has said a lot this is a child who had to beg his own father to ha- shake his hand when he just <laughs> met him right there. He's like, please, please extending his hand. hand. Evil Knievel's like, hey, you must be Tommy. You're the number one kid in town. I'm the number one jump biker. Come see my van. Also, your dad never told me you were coming. Like he, When you find out later that Evil set this whole thing up, that's a really cheap shot selling out his... Seriously. His, his mechanic. Uh, so we cut back now to the villains. The villains, uh, which is, you know, Leslie Nielsen and yeah. Jesse. Leslie Nielsen's character's name is Millard. And uh, Jesse, his rival. And then Millard's just like various henchmen and goons who are, are always kind of hanging around. And they're just laughing about their evil plan. They're just laughing. Yeah. Ah, can't believe we're going to do something so evil. Uh, we get, Again, we're only getting it in pieces. Jesse is now, they come to a golf course. Well, before that, it, this is where it gives like real TV movie vibes. Mm-hmm. They break out some a white powder in a yes, package. Yes, yes, like, yes. That's it. It cuts away, shows the outside. Then it cuts back. It was like, well, how was it? And he's like rubbing his nose. <laughs> like they wouldn't no. show. I mean, we'll show a man fracture his pelvis, but we're not going to show somebody bump some coke in the back of a limo. <laughs> oh, but yeah, they arrive at a golf course. Red Buttons and Evil are, are practicing their, their golf game. Um, Jesse comes up with this plan to like lure him to Mexico. Uh, it's like a Millard is, you know, he's another promoter. He's going to, you know, yeah. get us to Mexico. We're going to make a bunch of money, but evil can't do it because he's just so damn loyal. He's such a big man. He has to keep his word. Even to this rotten rat of a promoter, red buttons. Yeah. And their evil plan is to get Jesse coked up and then have him go seal the deal. Like they're like, Yeah. <laughs> You're wired. You're not thinking straight. Go out there and like make this really important business. <laughs> right. Get on the golf course and, and really network for us. Like, it'd be great. Uh, so it doesn't go, though. It doesn't go. Uh, and finally, we get to the show. Finally, this yeah. big show in Long Beach where he's going to jump a cage, several cages full of lions and tigers because what the fuck did they ever do? I was right. hated this whole scene. Me- I really hated it. And they're all mixed in cages together, the lions and the tigers. And the lions look terrified, or the the lions look terrified because they're all male lions because they have manes and they're not hunters. So it's like, the fuck? They're not supposed to be in the same proximity. Never, never. And you see sometimes in movies where they have animals and they're like, oh, we need to pretend like the animals are angry. No, these animals are very angry. They were doing shit to them off off scene to piss them off. No rehearsal needed. Yeah, it, it was disturbing. Um Justice is serving. Hey, Frank Gifford is the MC. <laughs> Speaking of lions. <laughs> <laughs> 
Frank Gifford is the MC of this big show. Evil is about to go off uh, and and do his big jump, but there's there's Kate, so let's go hit on her again, right? Like <laughs> she's always like twenty feet apart from the rest of the press and not asking questions and not shooting anything or doing anything. And it's like right. he just wanders off from the actual press to like hit on this woman for a third or fourth time. And this is where we get a first glimpse of Evil in the you know famous jumpsuit. Yep. This is the white version, and it's like you can see that they were letting out a lot of material mm-hmm. on the jumpsuit by this by this time. <laughs> yes. Also, I don't know if you caught it, but there are some scenes where Evil looks like he could barely walk. Yeah, like he he slides his left foot forward and then just brings his right leg along. There's a scene where he goes to go down the stairs and remembers that he can't lead with that leg mm-hmm. anymore. And mm-hmm. Puts his like the poor man was breaking down. At oh, this absolutely, point. absolutely. So. Millard, Jesse, and Millard's henchmen have reserved seats in the villainous yeah. secret plan section. Like, yeah. they have three seats cordoned off by an evil velvet rope. Like, <laughs> it's so fucking crazy. Why? They're just roped off. You're you're in bleacher seating, like the cheap bleacher seating. <laughs> they get their own A section. A strong wind would destroy the vips the villains important it's just a velvet rope there's like nothing else or anything like it's just uh it's hilarious all right there's no concessions nobody's eating. evil <laughs> steps up but before his <laughs> before his jump he has to give this anti-drug speech that is just Wait, pure insanity honestly it's he start first he starts shit talking indianapolis right like he's like hey each year i go out to indianapolis to the indy 500 and you know it's city's going downhill they let those people in. You know, it's like he's really letting the hillbilly out. Then he makes drugs sound way cooler than I think he meant right. to. Yes. He starts talking about how drugs are nitro for your body. Yeah. You'll feel super great for like five, ten years. Five, ten years. <laughs> I mean, come on. When you're like 15 years old, five, ten years seems like forever. Yeah, you're like, hey, you're going to have five, ten good years. I was like, oh, cool. Uh, just great shit. You'll never feel that great. Me that drug. <laughs> and then you'll blow the hell out, he says. That doesn't sound so bad. No, especially when you're a young person. It sounds yeah, fine. It sounds like an ideal what's situation. The, what's the alternative? Watching like you break your ass every time you jump on a thing? You're living straight, but you're dying. Yeah, that speech is insane. Uh, you can actually read it in its entirety on the Wikipedia page for this movie. But I'll let you get there. I'll let our listeners get there. It, we get a shot of Grace Kelly or Grace Kelly. Uh, that would be so great. Oh my if God. Mechanics wow. role was played by Grace Kelly. <laughs> Considering she might've been dead at this point. Definitely. Was. That would have been amazing. Definitely. But we get a shot of Gene Kelly. And just to remind you that he's his ace mechanic, he's got now a grease smudge, right? Right. <laughs> right along his cheek. Very authentic. Very authentic. <laughs> uh, and he still despises Tommy. Just still hates Tommy. Oh. oh boy, does he hate Tommy? Well, evil Tommy just dotes out on a, him. A line of dialogue, and he's just like, "Shut up!" Yes, like just snarling. You don't interrupt evil. Despises this kid. Evil acts like he's in the fucking Big Brothers Big Sisters program. Like he is just like he yeah. is just fun uncling it up with with old little Tommy. Like there's scenes he's walking in, Tommy's on his shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we're finally revving up to a jump. We're in act two okay. of this story. <laughs> no big deal. It's fine. We're finally going to get to a jump. Kate, again, she's on the field. She's standing there 20 feet apart from the rest of the media. I don't know. Is her shot going to be 20 feet better or 20 feet worse? I don't know. Everyone else is clumped together. 
<laughs> they're just like they're, they're all like in the same spot of grass. Um, so he does the jump. He makes the jump, but he flies off his bike on the landing, and he rolls, rolls, rolls in slow motion. We hear all these screaming sounds, but everyone rushes to him, and he says, rolls over and says to Kate, "Sorry, miss, I'm not dead yet." Right. Um, but when the crash happens. Tommy, who, remember, loves evil, absolutely loves evil yeah. and evil, he instinctively runs toward the field, as you would, right? I mean, this the person you yeah. love is, you know, they could be dead, that seriously hurt. He instinctively runs to the field. Will grabs him, stops him, and angrily yells, <laughs> this ain't for kids. <laughs> like, he's so pissed for no reason. Well, no, he has a reason, because right before that, evil said, we want to lower these handlebars a bit. Tommy runs and grabs the right screwdriver, and Evil tells him, hey, you got a job all summer, kid. <laughs> Will looks at him like, don't you fucking take my How job. How dare you? Don't you ever show me up in front of Mr. Kid This kid is gutted for me. Oh, my God. Yeah, but he just grabs him. It's like, you know This ain't for kids. <laughs> I mean, Meanwhile, Evil is doing these jumps in a leather jumpsuit and Pat Boone shoes. Yeah, right? Like, what does he think was going to happen? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they say that, you know, like in a crisis, your true self comes out, right? Because base <laughs> instinct takes over. Sure. Will Atkins' base instinct <laughs> in a crisis is take a massive shit on my son, Tommy. Like, hold off going to aid this person who might be seriously injured or dead just so I could take a big, fat fucking shit on my son, Tommy, who I hate. <laughs> take the biggest, no. that's like, that's instinct. That's instinct. Take the right? biggest, nastiest shit on this kid that I possibly can. And we're talking at like Sonic drive-in level of nasty shits. <laughs> like <laughs> Blimpy's sub kind of shits yeah. here. Like he is just like, he wants to take the worst shit on his little son, Tommy. Not only don't go aid Evil Knievel, <laughs> interrupt someone who is actively going to try Stop. to aid Evil Knievel. Stop Knievel. aiding him. And... Jeff Daniels, dumb and dumber shit all over his dreams, aspirations, and emotions. Again, he's just running on pure, pure instinct at this point. Um, but evil, he struggles to his feet and he wants to talk to the people. And he gives a sp- yeah. he gives a speech and he basically says, "I'm never going to do this again." And I think you probably see my last jump. And he walks out like he walked in under his own power. And this is all an homage. This actually happened for for the most part. Yeah. The, his crash at Wembley Stadium in London, which was covered by Frank Gifford of ABC's Wide World of Sports. He took a big crash. He got up. He gave a speech and said, I'm never going to do this again, and walked off under his own power. Right. And then, of course, did it again, like a whole bunch, yeah. bunch more times, like a whole bunch more times. Because we, I mean, we cut to him at a hospital yeah. getting treated, right? He wasn't going to take the ambulance, but sure, he'll get patched up. And I wanted his first line to be like, you uh, got any more of that nitro, Doc? <laughs> Where's the nitro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure he's not pumping that you know, nitro. I'm sure he's on all kinds of good painkillers. Yeah. Tommy asks if he's serious, that he's really going to retire. And, and Evil says, yeah, yeah, maybe. And Tommy says, you're not just another person. You're Evil Knievel. <laughs> to which Evil, without even the slightest like trace of irony or self-awareness or self-satire, says... Yeah. Yeah, I am. Like, oh, yeah. Like, I forgot. I'm not just another person. Like, what the f- So fucked up. <laughs> the next thing we have, Jesse 
is, I guess, visiting him at the hospital and pushing Evil Knievel outside around a fountain, just going hellaciously yeah, fast, wheelies on wheelies. a wheelchair. And they both and crash, like too. Jesse's, Jesse's still wildly coked up. Like, this is, <laughs> wasn't even playing. He was like, oh, hold on, slow down. I'm not healed yet. This crash was yesterday. <laughs> and then they take a spill into the grass, which I, I think... Like anytime you got in a car with Evil Knievel, you would be like, okay, there's a 75% chance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we're getting carted out of here. Yeah. Yeah. I might not survive this. Yes. Yeah. And Jesse, he pitches Mexico again. He's still working the front for Millard to to lure Evo down to Mexico. Evil is now mm-hmm. kind of reconsidering his whole retirement plan. Uh, Kate visits Evil in the hospital and he's basically says, Let's go to Mexico. Come on, let's go. Yeah. And they're they're really falling fast. for each other, although you'd never know it from the performances. And bam, we're finally out of Long Beach. We're across the murder. We're on the road to Mexico. The whole caravan drives down. There's a whole lot of fanfare. Kate and Will somehow get stuck <laughs> together in the same car. I wrote, did Lauren Hutton and Gene Kelly ride all the way They carpooled like it was the wedding planner. <laughs> It's answered in the next line of dialogue. Yes, they rode 1,100 miles together. What happened to her fucking helicopter? <laughs> There's like the magazine was like, you know what? We're not going to shoot his death. Forget it. Yeah. Ride, ride with Will Atkins. I mean, he's, he's in a fucking like butterfly collar, mm-hmm. you know, leisure suit. I was like, that must have just been so uncomfortable really? to drive oh, in. Oh boy, for- 1,100 hours. In tiny <laughs> yes. little car. In the 70s, gas stations weren't everywhere. Yeah. And they get out of the car and they're arguing about, of course, Tommy. Yep. They they argue and Will at one point says, Tommy doesn't have any parents. <laughs> like, this is how much he hates this fucking kid so much that he is stuck with. Doesn't have any parents. Yeah. I right. mean, everyone's was- got parents, but like, it's not even like, I don't recognize like my pater- No. That kid is non-human. <laughs> He's less than a person. Oh, boy, does he hate Tommy. Boy, does he hate Tommy. Um, but, yeah, she she chides him for this. Um, so we're now in Mexico mm. at, I guess, the governor's mansion. <laughs> they don't say which Mexican state. <laughs> but evil is treated like a king. There's uh, senoritas throwing him roses from balconies which he catches, right, with a plum. We get in there, <clears throat> and he is just, you know, high grandstanding, big upping Will. He's like, this is the man. I learned everything from him. I, there wouldn't be an evil can evil without me. Meanwhile, Will, who's Gene Kelly, is just slamming drinks, right? <laughs> he gets over there, and while they're taking pictures of him, he starts flashing back to the <laughs> evening with Jesse, getting him drunk and taking pictures of him. The look on Gene Kelly's face is fucking amazing. It's priceless. It really is. What's that movie with Frank Sinatra about the Russian plant who has the secret phrase said in Manchurian Candidate? Yes, he has like a Manchurian very, yeah, candidate. Right. Like, oh my God, yes. My protocol is the uh... <laughs> Yes. It just he has that look. Like all over naked gun must kill the queen, like Reggie Jackson. <laughs> I mean, Kelly sells so hard. It's amazing. Really is. Really is. Um, they're preparing. The next day, they're preparing at the stadium. They're kind of putting some stuff around. And Evil actually puts Tommy on a bike. Yep. You know, Will's looking away, looking at him and glaring. Just can't believe it. Tommy gets on this bike. He, he, he biffs in like the, <laughs> the 
<laughs> dumbest fucking way. I mean, I've never ridden a bike, but I have to th- imagine <laughs> I would do a lot better than Tommy. Because he, he just like, like rides a- right over the concrete. <laughs> Like, how could you have thought that was the right thing to do? <laughs> like, have you seen anyone do that ever, Tommy? You dumbass. Oh, shit. Let's see. Will's got me going. Um, yeah, Tommy Biff's bit. Will runs right over and just goes off on him. He's just like, look what you've done <laughs> to the kid. <laughs> the kid who just crashed. The 11-year-old child. Screaming at him. Screaming at him. Shaking him. Look what you've done. Evil. They now start fighting. Evil lets out that he actually arranged for all of this, for Tommy to yeah, join them, right. for the school to do what you know, whatever. He says, I figured 10 years of blaming him for your wife's death at childbirth was long enough. I, I fucking lost it. I fucking lost it. Don't let that out in any kind of subtle way, right? Like, no, he's just like, he, he, cram all of the backstory into one sentence, if you could. And so what... I mean, Gene Kelly was in his mid to late 40s when oh. he, he had this romance with this woman who died in childbirth in the 60s, which, you know, like, it's not like 1820, right? This, this is, conceivably, this guy was wealthy enough to have her giving birth at a hospital, but she dies, in, she dies in childbirth. And I was just like, that's the backstory here? This is why he this hates, why he hates so Tommy. much? And Evil's just calling it out in front of him? I know. After we find out, evil brought that this, this was whole like little, all a, a scheme. This was his it's machinations like a, a all along. By fucking evil, I know it's completely. He's insane. Not, he just doesn't crash motorcycles. He crashes whole relationships. <laughs> he crashes whole lives. He's an all-around wallbanger, if you will. But who comes to the rescue? Kate. Kate intervenes <laughs> and she chastises them both. Whoa, both sides. She both sides the issue, and then she storms off. Ah, oh, you men. After we got some truth bombs from Ms. Hutton, yeah. she really just storms off. And earlier, she's taking some pictures. Lauren Hutton can barely hoist the camera. <laughs> so now we finally get a little fuller picture of this evil plan against Caniva. We know it involved yeah. Mexico. We know it involved smuggling drugs, whatever. Here's the plan. Simple <laughs> enough. They're going to kill him in public during a show in Mexico. Then they're going to smuggle his body back to America in an exact replica of his famous equipment van. Only they fill the equipment van with cocaine. Now, Corky, you thought my cocktail was needlessly convoluted? This is the most (laughs) ridiculous. Like, so much cocaine gets smuggled through conventional means. Like, why is this necessary? Like... With all the overhead on this plan, the profit margins have to be razor thin. In in the previous scene, we saw Leslie Nielsen traveled with Knievel. He traveled they went with to the them. governor's mansion together. That he was seen with him. He's trying to be behind the scenes the whole time. He is seen in public with the man he's going to murder. He has ties with the governor. There were easier ways to get cocaine across so the simple. border. So freaking simple. Yeah, I mean, I'm no economist, but this this just seems unnecessary. Uh, Will, what I thought was really hilarious was they have Jesse taping up some of the the place where they're going to hide drugs on the right. side. Jesse is Mister Everything in this. Oh yeah, he does a little bit of everything, and yet as we find out, he has no idea what this plan is. Like he has nope, no none. clue. It's like nope. what? Why? Why are you anyway? Um, <laughs> Will now starts to remember 
remember he he was uh, you know mm-hmm. Manchurian candidated by the flashbulbs. <laughs> so now he starts to remember. He finds all these pictures of Evil's van and of the motorcycle, but Jesse and the goons get the drop on him. Yep. And they basically Shanghai him into this mental hospital as a junkie oh in this God. sanitarium run by Dabney Coleman. Evil sees him. He doesn't buy it. He doesn't buy it. Not my will. He's on. We have a scene where Evil is told by Dabney Coleman that this is an American hospital run only by Americans. I mean, the racism is right. really deep and thick, right? Evil Knievel is is only happy to hear that. That's like the one bright spot like, he okay, hears out of this whole right. speech. He's like, okay, good. I can trust. I feel better about leaving then. him in here later when I could have fucking broken him out. <laughs> yeah, it's white people, so that's okay. Yeah. I trust it. Um, and then this is another thing where when he finally sees Gene Kelly, Gene Kelly's having a detox freakout inside of a padded room by himself, still in his mechanics garb, in his red jumpsuit, um, this was another thing where like, I guess the implication is they, they shot him up and now he's detoxing yeah. while he was passed out, but they wouldn't like they reference drugs, but evil can mm-hmm. not going to have him show it using any drugs. Yeah. Evil doesn't buy it, but he says, you know, take good care of him. So, um, Jesse, he's shown riding the strata cycle, which is evil's bike. And he's going to do this thing. It has like wings and shit on it. It looks really, um, you know, like it would be bad for jumping because it's really bulky, but what do I know? Yeah. There's a bird on the yeah. front of it. And this is where we find out Jesse is not, he's in on every aspect of the plan except evil's death. So you're just like, what does he think they're fucking doing? They're building a know. replica of his van, he, which he took pictures yep. of. They, he was the one who took will to be imprisoned in the sanitarium. He's fine with the kidnapping. Yeah. He's fine. But they, for some reason, Leslie Nielsen and everyone else thinks, you know, it, it's it's a bridge too far for him to be in on this murder plan. He won't go for it. But then you're like, what the fuck does he think they're doing creating a fake van? And he keeps talking about, like, after this, you're going to be the number one jumper of, you know, you're going to be the number one. What? Yeah. It, yeah. Jesse, he not only, too bright. He only finds... He has to overhear them yes. talking about him to, to figure out that he's going to get double-crossed as well. Yeah. So, But this whole scene was just to tell the audience, Jesse doesn't know. Okay? He doesn't know. Jesse's not in on that part. And they've rigged a replica of Evil's bike to explode during the show. That's how they're going to kill him. Is they're going to have the, the tire like blow up as soon as he lands. So Evil... <laughs> He's going to go get ready for his jump right now. Sneaks into the mental hospital. I laugh so hard. He's like wearing (laughs) nurse's smock and everything. Dressed as a doctor? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, He's still got his Pat Boone shoes on. It's so fucking funny. Yeah. He breaks in. He finds Will. And he says. He he not only is broken into the place. You could... You could argue that Evil Knievel doesn't know that you're how to enter a building because we only ever see him either breaking in in the middle of the night surreptitiously or riding a motorcycle through an right. entrance. Like he, he's already stuck into the orphanage of the building. Like, he might just yes. think this is how it's supposed to be. This like, is how you get in place. He's got his lock like, I just wait, wait until you know everyone leaves. He know he doesn't know how to use doors, but he does know how to disable whole phone systems mm. just by seeing a cord on a wall because he just <laughs> yanks a cord and now the guy's phone doesn't work. <laughs> it's 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 almost parody. It's level. hilarious. Um, he gets in there with Will and he says to Will, 
I know you think the world of that boy, but you're going to have to tell him yourself. At which point Will says, I- I'm sure going to try. Like, that's harder for him than kicking the sauce. <laughs> it's just like telling him that he cares even the tiniest little bit about his 11-year-old son. Oh, it's fucking great. But yeah, he leaves Will there so that the villains, you know, don't get wise. He can't get wise to us. Like, <laughs> fuck on, evil. <laughs> Give me a break. So he's just going to go do the jump. Go do the jump. <laughs> Will, I broke in here to tell you, you got to stay here a little bit longer while I go fucking make some money. Everything's the same. Yeah. Frank Gifford is a host at the Mexican jump, too. Um, uh-huh. Kate. And Evil have a scene. She now hates her assignment and doesn't want him to die. Aw. Jesse so, then walks in on the villains. Oh, yes. Sorry, did you want? Well, I was going to say Evil Knievel's now in the blue famous jumpsuit yeah. with the you know American flag. And I was hoping that we were going to get the Mexican version because he's down to <laughs> Red, white, and green. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Lauren Hutton is snapping picks from like two feet away and he, evil's like half turned away talking to tommy on the bike she's just like snapping photos not very good at her job not no. very good um yeah jesse now walks in on millard and you know his his goons discussing the secret plan which now the secret plan includes killing jesse yeah millard i mean i know he's trying to make a lot of money on this cocaine thing although as i said his his Profit margin has to be very, very slim with all the overhead on this on this scheme. But also, isn't he a promoter of Daredevil shows? He's killing the top two Daredevils in the world. These are like legit rankings. These are the top two, and he's killing them. They yes. both work for him. What's and his he's plan? Not only killing them. He, he's killing them in his events. <laughs> like, like who the fuck else is ever going to be a Daredevil for this guy again? Who's going to come and see it? They're not going to show that footage. Yes, we want to see him injured. Everybody wants to see Evil Knievel crash. Nobody <laughs> wants to see him snap bro. But Jesse hears it. He knows it means death, whoever makes the jump. And so he has like his sort of hero moment. Well, I mean, his hero moment would just be like rationally explaining it possibly to Evil. Yeah. But instead, he runs in and says, I'm going to do your jump. Give me the bike. I'm going to do your jump. He tries to steal the jump. Evil's like, get the hell out of here. Then he's like, all right, here, let me tell you about the plan. Evil now brushes him off, at which, you know, he turns his back on him, and Jesse, like, hits him over the head with a helmet, brains him, gets in his costume. Somehow fits him snug, even though he's... like a foot taller. (laughs) And a third of the width. Gets in the costume, does the jump explosion, horrific crash. And this is where they actually use footage from uh, Evil Knievel's Wembley Stadium crash that I referenced earlier. That crash did not kill Evil, but the real-life Evil, but it does kill the fake Jesse. Um, but everyone in the stands, and you know Frank Gifford, thinks that it was Evil, including yeah. Will and Kate and Tommy. They all think, oh shit, Evil's dead. But the ambulance driver, who is on the field, who is also yes. one of Millard's goons. He's a plant. Yeah, yeah, he IDs Jesse as the dead man. He radios Millard and lets him know. No, he, it's not a radio. It's a phone that's in the ambulance. <laughs> he just picks up a cord, corded phone that goes directly to Millard, who picks up the phone and is like, yo, he's dead. It's not evil. Okay. I was like, how they, <laughs> the fuck they set that up? But Millard realizes, oh, shit. Evil and Will are now liabilities that need to be eliminated. But Evil, like, yeah. comes to 
somehow has like immediate context for everything that it like this whole aftermath that's on the field right like the ambulance he is taken off he just oh, yeah, he's just up in that room he's just still up in he's, the room at the top of the he room had no idea what happened he just comes out he sees everything he's like oh my god <laughs> will's in danger so he t- jumps on the stratocycle the stratocycle that just was in the crash and takes off for the hospital while Leslie Nielsen, like, you know, nonchalantly slowly orders Will's death. You know, he's calling on the yeah, phone. Yeah, because that phone also doubles as a direct line to the, <laughs> to the corrupt hospital. hospital. Yes. But evil reaches in the nick of time. He crashes through the doors. Just like, psh, crashes right through the fucking doors. No, like, you know. like, there could have been an innocent child dis- getting discharged <laughs> right there waving at the doctors who saved his life. And then this man just comes barreling through on a motorcycle. It's the it's the eagle cycle with the wings on it. One of the wings gets shredded off when this right. goes through the door. Right. Two shots later, evil's on it. Right with back both in. Wings intact. <laughs> the wings fucking grow back on evil spikes. So yeah, see, he rescues Will from the hospital. They take off, but Tommy and Kate basically just stumble across this like you know villainous yeah. plan of Leslie Nielsen, and they get taken hostage. And they're they're tossed into the back of the truck, and they're part of this like now caravan that's now heading out of mexico and back across the border so evil and will they take off after this caravan they're both on motorcycles now yeah they take off after the villains they somehow this is like funny, like they chase them makes, these like winding hills and stuff they somehow yeah. like know they've never been here before they've never been right. here they know a shortcut they know a shortcut that gives you like an eagle eye view of everything that's happening on this road. They come up here. They're just like, they decide Will is like, I'm going to yeah. take the suicide mission. Right. I'm going to go down and, and distract the Porsche, which has the goons in it. No, no which, which has, has Leslie Nielsen, Nielsen and his, his henchmen. Number two. And they yeah. have all of the guns, right? They have their, their firepower is, is greater and they're obviously faster. So this is like the suicide mission. Will takes it. And evil goes after the truck, the truck, which has Tommy and Kate in it. Yeah, Will is you know successful for a little while. He gets shot. He crashes down the hillside, and uh, in the car they say, "That's one down and one to go." Now let's get Knievel. Like, thanks. I wasn't confused at all, but like, <laughs> but thank you for the recap. Like, <laughs> yes. like that was. I know. Like, we laid out the stakes, like, very clearly here. Uh, But Evil catches up to the truck. He jumps on top of the trailer, and the goon who's riding in the truck says, don't stop. I'll go take a look. And he climbs (laughs) onto the roof while the truck's still going, like it's fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark. But, like, I know Millard said stick to his schedule, but, like, you have guns. Evil has no guns. Stop. (laughs) <laughs> stop the truck and shoot him. I'm not a hired yeah. goon, but I, I know a thing or two. Come on. I love this part because Evil knows that Tommy and uh, Lauren Hunt are in the back of that thing, right? And yet he just is like, I'm going to put everybody's life. Whatever I do, like whatever disconnect. I need to do to stop this truck. Like, cargo I don't care who kills. This. They're bouncing around like Axel Foley <laughs> in the beginning of Beverly Hills Cop <laughs> in the back of that cargo truck. It is amazing. That would snap a kid's neck. He's just bouncing around against a heavy machinery. Oh, yeah. A child, much less Lauren Hutton. My God. That's, <laughs> she said she's very flimsy. Um, but yeah, evil does the thing. 
Yeah. And that causes a thing to happen. The goon the, on the roof flies off. Something goes flying yeah. for some reason. The truck screeches to a halt. Evil comes around. He overpowers the driver, and Tommy and Lauren are safe. Woo, big, big sigh of relief. <laughs> well, that's why they didn't stop, because Evil was going to dispatch him within seconds. Exactly. So the Porsche, now with Millard and his henchmen, it catches up with Evil, and there's a chase that ensues through this little Mexican village. Luckily, there are stunt ramps. Yeah. Strategically placed all over this rustic Mexican village. It's like fucking Gymkata in this village. Like, <laughs> there are just like ramps and jumps everywhere he goes. He even crashes into a cantina at one point, which like, why? Where did you think you were going there? It finds, it's just like a, a bar. And there's nowhere to go. So he turns around and then he uses the Porsche as like a ramp to like fly out of the cantina. <laughs> um, this chase... <laughs> It ends, I mean, some of these stunts are, like, pretty good, but, like, it ends with the corniest fucking crash uh-huh. you could ever, like, the rear projection, spinning camera, people in the car, ah, waving their hands, and then the Porsche just explodes. I, I think right. it explodes, like, mid-air, <laughs> like the air <laughs> just was, like, too harsh on the, on that Porsche. It explodes, the bad guys are dead. It flew too close to the Mexican sun. Yes. That's what it did. It just caught fire, blew up. Too hot. So they're all dead. Bad guys are all dead or subdued. And who stumbles out of the brush? But Will, he's alive. <laughs> Will sees Tommy. Tommy sees Will. And they finally, they run to each other and they hug. And then Evil rides in. He rides up to Kate. He sees Will and Tommy. And, like he sees them from afar I like to think that Will is actually like kind of subtly shaking him and yelling like, "Look what you did! Look what you did! <laughs> you embarrassed me in front of you Evil do once it. again." Smile, smile for Evil. <laughs> Never do I'll it get again. Rid of you in Mexico, no one will ever find <laughs> yeah. out. Uh, but instead, Evil says they finally found each other, like we did. He says <laughs> to Lorne Hutton, oh my God, it's just, it's, he is awful. He is really yeah. just awful. And back to Mexico, back to the same stadium in Mexico. We're going to do the same jump over and over again. Yeah, as you said, uh, you know, uh, Evil Knievel, he biffs on a jump. He comes back and he finishes the stunt. You know, he's done it a bunch of times. And sometimes he failed even more yeah. miserably the second time, you know, but uh, he. So the day's body count is what, seven? Yeah directly responsible and related to this bike jump event exactly he goes, no he just goes they got it all still well, frank up. gifford and abc are still on board with this fucking shit show it's like there have been a lot of murders there was drug smuggling <laughs> like evil himself killed several people <laughs> like he he has murdered many people it's all good it's all good Yay. somebody put the show on i mean we already had the ramp built let's go uh, and as he comes out, the crowd chants, Viva Knievel. Evil waves to Kate and Tommy and Will. He does the jump. He makes the jump. And then the title song and that opening credits image come back. They replay. And that's your movie. That's Viva Knievel. That is it. Woo. Holy moly. Holy moly. We're the real daredevils, Quirky. So before we give our ratings, Quirky, any final thoughts on Viva Knievel, anything we didn't get to touch on that you want to bring up? Really, like three or four set pieces uh, in this movie, and two of them are stadium jump it's events. True, I mean, and I assume that's why they teased out this evil plan so long was just to like, yeah, give, just fill some space. 
You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, amazingly, it's stretched out to it's over a hundred minutes. You would think this thing should be like seventy-two minutes. A clean seventy-two. Oh, it's not. It's a dirty, <laughs> filthy, <laughs> crusty one hundred and five minutes or whatever it is. All right, let's remind everybody of our ratings. Run-of-the-mill bad film will give a dare. Next-level bad movie will give a double dare. Movie we actually like. Reverse dare. Corky, what do you give Viva Knievel? Well, we have described ourselves as cinematic stuntmen. Sure. Um, jackass for the film snob set. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and I think we got to give some credit to Viva Knievel mm-hmm. or to Evil Knievel for <clears throat> blazing a trail for us. Um I got to say, this movie delivered on what I wanted. Mm. Not all the way through. There were times where it dragged. However, it followed up with some batshit craziness enough that I love. Like, when it started to flag a little, Gene Kelly would come along and just berate his son. <laughs> Evil Knievel would come along and non-act a few sure. lines to have sure. people just react in a totally unrealistic way. And when it cemented... It's reverse dare status mm. for me mm. was when it came out that Gene <laughs> Kelly hates his son because his wife died in child. I, I presume wife could be common law, could be just some floozy in Anchorage that he ran into every once in a while. <laughs> and she doesn't got to be a floozy. She could just be, you know, a waitress um, that, that he knocked up and got really stuck on when that got bomb got dropped and then just immediately shunted away i was like i'm fucking in you're on board i'm in like i'm, I'm with this <laughs> every scene that gene kelly was in it just got crazier when he has his freak out uh on his detox trip it is the fucking funniest shit to watch evil knievel have to deal with gene kelly's energy where he's punching walls like like de niro and raging bull like i'm the boss i'm the boss I loved that uh, Marjo Gordon was coked out mm-hmm, in every scene mm-hmm. and played it that way. I love Leslie Nielsen being almost indistinguishable from the the doctor in Airplane. <laughs> um, God, I was all in. It was it was just the right amount of crazy. As as crazy as the end is, the end flagged for me. I wish it would have ended on a much bigger crazier mm-hmm, note. Mm-hmm. But the ridiculousness of of a kid walking into a stadium in prep school attire, just finding his dad and the dad having to look at a picture to remind him that that's his kid. It's like, that's the kind of batshit nothing story I wanted around a man who jumps dirt bikes. Not well. Yeah. You know? So, and, and maybe it's cause it's my birthday. So happy birthday to me. Yes. Happy Viva birthday Knievel to Knievel is a true reverse dare. I think you would have fun watching it with some friends. Yeah, I can't I can't get there. I can't get there. I'm going to go with a dare on this one. Um as I said in the opening, this is like half of a crazy movie and half of a movie that is so like moth-eaten and so familiar mm-hmm. that it, it, it's just it's not fun at all. That's kind of messianic insanity of evil is is really kind of the differentiator here and and just how how much Gene Kelly feels obliged to make up for the complete <laughs> lack of anything that that evil could evil is <laughs> giving him on screen. Um, but evil is just one of the least interesting like screen presences that you could ever come across. I actually, about halfway through this movie, I got very bored and I, I actually like paused it and I started watching like, um, clips of evil and evil on YouTube. I just, I was just like, 
this just seems so much more interesting. And then I, it took a while for me to get back because I was like, this, watching this man like tumble head over heels at Caesar's Palace in 1969 in a, a crash that no human should ever walk away from. No. And yet, watching this was like the beginning of his fucking career. Um, that was so much more interesting to me than this movie, which just like tries to put evil in this kind of traditional hero role. But I mean, I guess what's kind of interesting is that he doesn't fit that role at all. And, no. and, and, you know, his instinct to be on top and be the man in any scene, whether, even if it's just the villains are talking about him to be the man, if there's an orphanage, yeah, he's going to be there with presence. If there's a greedy promoter, he's going to slap him around a little bit. So he knows who's yeah. boss. If there's a woman, he's going to, there's a conquest for him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just, and it, it doesn't even matter to him that all of these like are completely at odds with each other. They don't add up to like a whole com- like complete personality. I swear to God. I think that's what I dug so much <laughs> about it because it's, it's, he's so unaware of himself. Oh, he's boy. breaking into oh, orphanages and getting over on nuns, yep. slapping promoters around, um, getting hammered while espousing "Don't do drugs, kids," but you know, "Viva Tequila" and all that yeah. shit, and misogynistically hitting on women who are uninterested in him. And yet he all preaches that you know the stars and bars don't do drugs. I got a code. I'm the man, and that's what I fucking love about it. So I think I liked about yeah. it so much. Yeah, I, no. I used I used love, and I'm not. I didn't love the movie. Absolute but, time capsule uh, for sure. Yes, exactly. And it's like they you formulaic is a good word for it because it's like, yes, it's a th- throwback to the 40s biopics where the, you're going to hit a home run for me, exactly. babe. Exactly. Yeah. And and they put this man in there who so obviously should not have been there. This broke down hillbilly who was on all kinds of painkillers, owed money to all people, you know. Uh and yeah, oh fuck. And that's what I loved about it. And I did love. I mean, Red Buttons like taps out of this movie about a quarter oh, of the way yeah. in. Like he's not to be seen mm-hmm. again. I think he got a whiff. He's like got his paycheck. He's like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm out. Good. I'm out. Right. Leslie Nielsen. Write my character. Fred Gifford's out of this in thing. two locations, and they just put a Mexican flag <laughs> behind him in one to signify the difference. <laughs> just the little touches like that, where it was like, this is almost borderline parody. parody. Yeah. Yeah. True. If you watched this with people in on the joke, it would be parody. Mm-hmm. True. Um, so I, I guess that's what I kind of laughed about and liked so much. Anyway. Dare for me. That is all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel, but uh, come back in two weeks where we have one more of your movie dares. Until then, well, no, let's not wait until then to wish Quirky a happy birthday because today Aww. that this episode comes out is May 3rd. It's Quirky's birthday. Quirky, you're the man. Show wouldn't yes, go without you. you. And uh, happy birthday, old buddy. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. But for reals until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com. Be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us on them podcast apps. It actually helps a lot. You can read more of my movie reviews on the Dare Daniel website at daredaniel.com. Corky. Yeah. Have you slapped around any greedy comedy promoters lately? Oh, I thought you were going to say, have I slept awake any orphans? Uh, which <laughs> or orphans. the answer is yes. Or orphans. Yeah, or orphans. Um, and uh, and also in that scene, he has to remind one not to hug him. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, this has happened before. <laughs>
No, I have not slept around any greedy promoters or managers. However, you will find me on the floor of Caesar's Palace. You will find me at the bottom of the Snake River Canyon. Sure. Hell, you'll even find me at the bottom of Bush Gardens Motor Speedway. Uh, find me at the bottom of the Indio Racetrack. Yeah. Uh, pretty much scraping me off the floor anywhere with a dislocated head. Yeah. Uh, I'll be laying on the ground. In, no jumps. In a, in an Amer- Just <laughs> no, no jumps. Falling. Just in a jumpsuit <laughs> with the American stars and bars all over it. Uh, and a little let out in the middle because, yeah, I'm getting a little paunchy. Well, you've earned it. Thank you. For Dear Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. And I'm Corky McDowell saying happy birthday to me. Happy birthday. Thank Viva you. Corky! Exclamation hey. point. Bring, bring, bring. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. Bye.